Good morning, 11 a.m. How are you guys doing? You made it to church today. We're so glad that you're with us. Let's welcome everybody who's with us online, too. Thank you for being with us on Facebook Live. Uh, if you are a Facebooker, I just encourage you, jump on there, share uh, this live feed with your friends. a great way for them to attend church, maybe from a distance here uh, this morning. So um, we're excited to be with you. This is December. Here we are. Uh, the year is almost over. It's crazy. Uh, I was joking with Shannon earlier before service because she's like, oh, it's 2018. I, was, uh, I graduated in 2000. And it's, it's crazy how quickly time is moving along. And so uh, it's, it's going to be a new year here before we know it. And it's just a great season here as a church. We're really excited about what's coming up. We're going to do five Christmas Eve services this year, um, which is code for sign up to serve at one of these services. Uh, We're really excited about it. It's going to be a huge thing uh, for us. But uh, here's what we would ask is that you would consider uh, attending one and then serving at one and uh, help us make this happen. Uh, It's a great chance for us. Uh, Two major holidays in the the life of a church are Christmas and Easter. Uh, These are just chances for us to invite the community in. It's a, it's a time that many of your friends will respond to an invitation uh, to church, and so we want to uh, utilize that to the greatest degree possible uh, for the kingdom of God. And so um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mean a lot. It's a busy time. I always look forward to it. Um, lots of fun. We just see fruit from that through the rest of uh, the winter as people maybe try church again or try church for the first time and, uh, and then maybe come back after that. So uh, be a part of that exciting stuff. I'm excited to be back with you guys this morning. It's been two weeks. I've been off. Um, we had uh, Brandon sharing his story of adoption a few weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Josh did a great job uh, of sharing the word last week. And so I just got to be with you, which was fun. Uh, and, I, and I say this a lot, like um, I'm really just grateful that ACF Church is, is a family for me and for our family. And I say this a lot, that, that even if I wasn't the pastor here at ACF Church, I would be part of ACF Church, um, which I don't know if you realize this, but not a lot of pastors get to say that. Um, maybe that sounds strange to you, but there, there can be this kind of weird separation between the platform and the, and the seats here. And, and I just want to tell you from my heart to yours, I'm grateful for the family and the community that we have here. And so it's just been fun to go to church. And I, I say this a lot uh, to our staff. We're not doing our job until somebody else is doing our job. And so it's just been fun to watch somebody else teach for the past couple of weeks. And, um, and I hope to see that more as we uh, have a team of people who are sharing the word here uh, at ACF Church. So um, we are in a series today, starting a new uh, series of talks called Fully Present. And uh, really the theme around this series is simply how to be here this Christmas. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but it's, it's easy to be in, in a place physically and not really be there emotionally and spiritually. In fact, some of you are sitting in this room right now and uh, you are nowhere to be seen because your head is somewhere else. You are in work tomorrow morning. Um, you are thinking about the fact that you have not shopped for Christmas yet and it's December and you need to get on that. Um, some of you had, had an argument with your spouse in the car ride just on the way to church and you're trying to act all smiley and happy, and you hate each other right now. Uh, just being honest. So some of you have relational issues with family members, and, and the holiday season is kind of bringing that all to the surface, and so that's going through your mind. And, and some of you are so busy this December that you can't even think of anything but, but your schedule and trying to keep things in order. And so because of all of this, um, not many of us really are present like we need to be. And I really believe that God wants to speak to us right here and right now if we would be ready 
to listen. In fact, there's this great passage in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 43, verse 18 says this, Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. This is God speaking to his people. You guys, I am doing a new thing all around you. Do you perceive it? Do you see it? Like, I will make rivers in the desert. I will, I will redeem and restore broken parts of your life if you're willing and ready to hear my voice and to follow my word. And so I really believe that's a word for us here as we come into December. Um, for me, this, this Christmas season can kind of come and go really quickly, and I can miss out a lot on what I think God wants to do in us and through us if we were fully present. And so we're going to try something together, if we could, to start off to help us with this. Everybody who has a cell phone, would you pull it out? Would you pull it out real quick and just hold up your cell phone? I know it's everybody in the room. In fact, the other day at Fred Meyer, I saw a guy with three of them strapped to his belt, which I'm like, you have two ears, bro. How do you, I mean, why do you need three cell phones? But anyway, so most of us have one of these on us all the time. And here's the thing. I love my cell phone. I use it all the time. Um, I am not anti-technology, but I just want you to find that little button on the side real quick. Um, Some of you don't even know it's there, but right on the side, there's this little button, and I just want you to hold it. I know. You're already stressing out. Um, Maybe you have a Samsung or something. You may need to Google how to shut off my phone. Um, I don't even know how it works on the Galaxy or whatever, but figure it out. I I believe in you. So so just hold down that button, then you're going to get this little thing that you need to swipe. And when you do that, your heart will be filled with freedom. You will feel the anxiety slip away from your life. Um, If you're not doing it, just act like you're doing it. Humor me. Um, It's funny, on Wednesday night, halfway through the sermon, somebody's phone was like, bing, bing. I was like, busted. So anyway, shut your phone off for like a minute um, here. J- just try this. And some of you are like, it's been months since I've done this, since I've shut my phone off. And I, I realized this, this week as I was preparing this message that <laughs> this is terrible, but the only time of the week that I'm not plugged into my phone is when I'm preaching to you guys. Um, it's this out because people like to text me during my sermons like, hey, dude, your fly's down or stuff. They like to, you know, send stuff to me while I'm preaching. So I don't even keep it on anymore. But it's the only time during my week that I'm not actually plugged in to something. And I just wanted to tell you that, that this is one of many things that are contributing to anxiety in our lives and contributing to this feeling of, of being overwhelmed and overworked and frustrated with our, with, with our daily rhythms. And so I think there's some things that we can do uh, together. And so uh, some of you are already stressing out. It's okay. They can wait for 35 minutes. They will get a hold of you here in a little bit. But th- this conversation today is going to be, um, we're going to be in the book of, of Luke. And so you can't open your phone, but you can grab a paper Bible. Um, those do exist in the seat in front of you, or you can follow along on the screen behind me in Luke chapter, chapter 10. We're going to talk about expectations this morning. We're going to talk about how to be present when you have expectations. And next week, we're going to talk about how to be present when there seems better than here. Um, Maybe you know that feeling that um, you want to be anywhere but where you are. Maybe you're here in Alaska, and you're here because your spouse was PCS'd here, and you want to be back in Georgia. And so you want to be anywhere but here. Maybe you're going through something difficult right now and and so you're you're having a hard time being present because you just want to have everybody else's perfect life uh, and not to have to deal with these issues in your life. And then the last week of the series, we're going to talk about being fully present uh, when I don't like you. 
Um, not me, because I like everybody because I'm a pastor. Um, but you, when you don't like people, just kidding. Um, when you don't like people, when, when family members are, are having issues and you've got problems relationally, how do you be fully present in those moments? And so that may be the week you want to skip. I don't know. But now you know what we're doing. But today, we're talking about expectations. We're talking about being present when my expectations aren't being met. Now, Christmas is a season of expectation, isn't it? It's a season where we're, we're celebrating the coming of Christ our King, the Savior of the world. That's a, that's a really big deal. And I remember as a kid, all of the expectation of the Christmas season, uh, waking up every day throughout the month and going down to the Christmas tree and turning the lights on. And now I have three kids and they wake up every single day and they go down to the tree and make sure another present hasn't shown up from the night before, you know, and they, they turn the lights on and they, they talk about the things that they might get at Christmas and what the season's all about. There's so much expectation Now, that's great, but sometimes our expectations aren't met, right? I mean, can you think of a Christmas that wasn't all that you had expected it to be? Can you think of maybe a Christmas where you're like, you woke up Christmas morning, and then you had a fight with your wife on Christmas morning, and it set this whole day off, you know, wrong? Maybe like like you had a health issue on a Christmas season, and, and so because of that, it just changed it. In fact, last year for our family, my father in law got a, a diagnosis with bone cancer coming into Christmas. And so for our family, Christmas wasn't the same. It was just, it was mixed with all of these emotions and feelings. Like, what do we do when things aren't the way that we hope they would be? What do we do with unmet expectations? And I want you to write this down if you would. Um, unchecked disappointment leads to disengagement, and disengagement leads to disappointment. Unchecked disappointment leads to disengagement, and disengagement leads to disappointment. See, what happens to most of us is when we get disappointed, we start to disengage. In fact, maybe you say this or you've heard people say this before. Hey, um, you know what? I had my, my expectations weren't met. And so I just expect as little as possible. So I'm never disappointed, right? And so uh, out of my kids, I just expect nothing from them. I expect they're going to chop holes in the couch with their toys. And, you know, which is what my little boy did a few weeks ago. I expect that they're going to be at each other's throats. I expect they're going to get bad grades. And so then I won't be disappointed, when, when they don't, which, which is kind of a terrible way to live, right? It, it, or maybe you're married to somebody who's like that. Like, hey, I just expect nothing out of my life. I'm always going to fail. So then if once in a while I do good, that, that, that's a bonus. It's exciting, right? Uh, but you also know people who constantly have high expectations out of life. And they're always expecting the best. And they, maybe you're here at church today and you're expecting for God to speak to you. So you're already taking notes and you're leaning in and you're listening and you're ready. Here's the thing. I think the way that we expect our ability to have high expectations is connected to what we experience in our lives. It's connected to our ability to receive from God. Now, it's not a, it's not a direct connection. Like, you can't just expect whatever you want. God's going to do it. We, we are not God. We don't manipulate God like that. But I will say this. If you expect nothing out of church, you will get nothing out of church. If you expect nothing out of hearing the word of God today, you will get nothing out of hearing the word of God today. If you expect nothing out of your spouse, out of your kids, out of your job, you will get exactly that. So, so what if we dealt with our disappointment? If we checked our disappointment and said, you know what, this isn't a reason to disengage. It's a reason to lean in and to trust God through our disappointments in life. So we're going to get to a story in Luke chapter 10 about three people. We've got Jesus and his two friends, Mary and Martha. And, and many of you have heard this story. Maybe you've heard it a ton of times as a kid, but there's so much for us here in this Christmas season to pull out of this story. So I'm going to pray for us that we could be fully present as we open the word of God today. Let's pray. God, thank you so much 
that you're here with us. Thank you that you want to speak to us. Thank you, God, that you are working through our disappointments, through uh, when things don't go as we had planned. Father, I pray that this would be a season of great expectation as we as your people look forward to celebrating the coming of our Savior. God, that we would be people who wouldn't give way to discouragement, uh, give way to um, lowered expectation, to, to disengagement. God, but we would engage our hearts and hear from you, our Father. God, I trust that this word today uh, is for us, that these aren't old words that are out of date. God, that your word speaks to us today as it always has to your people. God, you have something for every individual in this room. May we hear your voice and be fully present, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what we have here in Luke chapter 10 is that Jesus is coming into this community called Bethany, which is uh, about a mile and a half outside of uh, Jerusalem. And so he's coming into this community, and as we know, Jesus doesn't have a house. He doesn't have a place to lay his head. And so as he would go from town to town, people would host him. And he has some good friends here in Bethany, Mary and Martha. And they're, they're going to actually host Jesus in this moment. And so let's pick up Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So as I was reading this this week, I immediately connected with this story. Um, so I've, I've been married to my wife, Amanda, for 14 years. I remember when we first got married, we uh, sort of had this negotiation about who would do what in the marriage. Do you married people have this conversation? Like, like whose job is it to balance the checkbook? And whose job is it to take out the trash? And, you know, who's going to vacuum? And so we had this negotiation about who did what. And part of her side of the agreement was that she was going to make dinner. She likes to do that. She wanted to take care of the dishes and, and do all the kitcheny stuff, right? And so I had the, like, take care of the car, make sure it ran, change the oil, mow the yard, and, and do my job on that side. So, so I'm thinking, like, we got this figured out, right? Right? I got this all figured out. We know our jobs. You know, this marriage thing, it's super easy. So we, we're, like, a couple months in, and we're in this routine of I get home from work, and Amanda, she's, she's making dinner, and dinner's all ready. I come in, and the plates are out, and you know, everything's set, and I sit down, and I eat this great dinner, and then I wipe my face, and I push myself away from the table, and I go watch TV, because that's the agreement, right? We've already talked about this. She does her job. I do mine. And so this happened, like, night after night. And have you ever, like, been able to audibly hear people get angry with you? Like you can actually hear it in the other room where like you're thinking like dishes are breaking as they're being set down in the dishwasher and chairs are like, you know, scratching along the floor and you're thinking, man, what is going on in there? So this was happening one day and I walk in and I'm like, what? What's happening? And she's like, well, you could do a dish once in a while, right? And I'm thinking, wait, 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 we had this conversation. You know, this was not the agreement. I do the car, you do the dishes, right? I mean, if you want to make an amendment to the agreement, then we can, we can talk about this. But this was not the conversation. And so we had this vigorous uh, communication there that day about our little agreement 
Um, and it changed at that point. I'm going to save somebody's marriage today. Dudes, just, just put it in the dishwasher. I'm telling you, it's going to save your relationship. And so I just learned, and to this day, I, just, I'm, I do it. I'm good. I, I get up. I put the dishes in the dishwasher, give her a hand. I, I kind of take, take an inventory of the room. Like, is it in a little better shape than when I showed up? And then I can go watch TV. So it's taken me a while, though. So it's, I'm, a, I'm a man in process. And what we see here in this moment are two ladies who are both really good ladies. And they, they are good friends of Jesus. And they, they want to be with this man. And in this moment, we see two people. We see Martha, and she is frustrated. She's frustrated because her friend Mary is in the other room listening to Jesus. So I want you to just kind of first picture this in your mind. You're in this house, and so Mary's at the feet of Jesus. And, and here's just kind of a side note that's kind of cool is, is, is Mary being at the feet of Jesus is kind of a big deal. Because in this day, for, for a rabbi to allow a woman to be at his feet was, a, was, was not heard of. And what you'll see in the teachings of Jesus is Jesus always elevates the value of women in a society that devalued women. So you just need to see that in the life of Jesus. So Mary's at his feet just like a posture of expectation. Like she is, her ears are attuned. She's you know, cross-legged on the floor just like ready to hear from Jesus. Where's Martha? She's in the kitchen. She's in the kitchen making food, taking care of all the things that gotta be taken care of. Now, um, this is normally where in the sermon it veers off this kind of, this direction of bashing on the Marthas and saying everybody become like Mary, right? Mary is the spiritual one. Like she's the one who knows how to just sit and listen to Jesus. Everybody just be like Mary. But I want to instead focus a little bit more on Martha um, because here's what we need to realize. Don't miss this in this. Like Jesus comes into town he comes into town and it says this, they entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into whose house? Her house, right? So Jesus has a house to stay in because of who? Martha. Who's making dinner for Jesus? Martha. So you just got to picture this and, and instead of like being really hard on Martha, realize that like if Martha hadn't done this, Jesus is at the Motel 6 making ramen noodles in the microwave, right? I mean, they made a space for Jesus to come and to be, but it was really Martha that did the work. It was Martha's house. Mary's just hanging out, right? She just got a place to, to sit down and, and she only has that place because of Martha, so, so the first thing we got to do is we got to appreciate the Marthas. Who's a Martha in the room? Just be honest. Who's the worker? You guys just like, you're the one that, hey, if it needs to be done, I take care of it. I'm always jumping in. I'm always making things happen. I mean, this is a really big deal. In fact, I don't know if you've thought much about like the Marthas at church, but y- who, who drank some coffee this morning? Anybody got some coffee? Did you think about who made it? Do you know that like there's, there's people that showed up uh, today that, that, that made coffee for you because they wanted this to just, first of all, help you to be able to listen to my sermon and to stay awake. Second of all, you're probably kind of tired today. You had a long day of football yesterday, working real hard doing that. And, and so because of that, you slept in a little bit and you're tired, right? So you need some coffee. Like who opens the church building to let us in in the morning? Uh, a, a woman named Wendy Jacobson. Do you guys know Wendy? Like, give a high five to Wendy sometime. Yeah, you can clap for Wendy. Thank you. That's great. She gets so embarrassed. Anyway, Wendy, among so many other people, they do so much around here. 
You see, the reason you get to sit is because somebody else is serving. Somebody else has already made a place for you so that you could be here, so that you could hear from Jesus. You see, it's the same situation here. Martha has done the work of, I mean, who pays the mortgage? Who took care of the house? Who made the food? It was all Martha. Verse 40 says this, but Martha was distracted with much serving. So she was doing good things. And and I think one of the mistakes that we often make reading this passage is we think, well, Martha was not doing the right thing, but Mary was. No, Martha was doing the right things. She was just doing them the wrong way with the wrong motivation within her heart. See, sometimes what we find ourselves doing is we do a lot of good things to gain worth for ourselves. We do a lot of good things to maybe impress the people around us, or maybe we think we're impressing God with what we do. And so because of that, the motivation in our hearts is not good, and it changes what we're doing. It turns it into a bad thing. It turns a good thing into a bad thing. What's the motivation of your service? See, when I asked who is the Marthas, most of the people in the room raised their hands. So what motivates you to do what you do? What is driving you? Because if you don't have the right motivation, you will end up frustrated like Martha. You will end up frustrated and maybe angry with the people around you, maybe frustrated that you're the one doing all the work. And it all comes down to your motivation because motivation matters, doesn't it? I mean, it matters. It matters why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, does it matter why I'm up here today? I mean, it should matter. Some of you aren't so sure about me yet because you're new to church or maybe you were part of the kind of the de-church crowd and, and it matters why I'm here. Like I am up here uh, for, for who knows why. Maybe I'm up here because I love Jesus, because I love you and I want you to hear from Jesus and I want you to grow in Christ. Maybe that's why I'm here. Or maybe I just need more Instagram followers and, and maybe I just want a job And maybe somebody was like, hey, do you know the Bible and can you preach because we'll pay you this much to do it? And I was like, yeah, that's better than, you know, whatever else I was going to do. So maybe maybe I just want to be up here to to make a buck. Like, why am I here? Once again, motivation matters, doesn't it? Like, it matters why I'm here. And I'm not here to tell you that my motivation is always perfect and pure because it's not. It's not always perfect and pure. But I will tell you that motivation makes all the difference for what God's going to do in and through you. And if you don't have the right motivation, you're going to end up like Martha, frustrated and angry with other people. So she was distracted with much serving. It turns out that your serving can actually become a distraction, which is interesting because doesn't Jesus teach us to serve? Shouldn't we serve? Shouldn't we give our time to help other people? Shouldn't we do that? Absolutely. But at some point, our serving can become a distraction. Is your service about your worth or is it about worship? Is it about honoring God with your life or is it about gaining something for yourself? So she's distracted. It says this, and she went up to him, being Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Tell her to help me. So Martha is frustrated with Mary because I think Mary has a different purpose in this moment. Mary is right where she needs to be, at the feet of Jesus. Where's Martha? Frustrated in the kitchen. So if you, have a pen, if you have a pen, write this down. To be fully here, you have to let them be there. To be fully here, to be fully present where you are, you have to allow other people to be where they are. You have to allow them to be in the place that they are. Allow them to fulfill the purpose that they have. And where things go wrong is when we start to instill our purpose on other people. We get frustrated. We get overwhelmed. We get angry. 
In fact, there's this other moment in the life of Jesus. Jesus has just been resurrected, and he actually appears to his disciples. And, and, and he talks to Peter. He tells Peter, basically, Peter, you're going to be crucified for your faith. So not great news. He says, you're going to be crucified. You're going to follow me unto death. So Peter's a little, like, taken aback by this. And this is their conversation in John chapter 21, verse 20. It says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, also known as John, Little, little jealousy going on there, uh, following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So interesting. And Jesus said to him, it, it, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. So the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die. But if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? Okay, so do you see this moment? He's like, Jesus is like, you're going to be crucified. You're going to die, be martyred for your faith. But what about John, right? What about John? And Jesus is like, what's that to you? Basically, if I want to pour out blessing on John, if I want to give John, a, you know, the new Bentley and the, the house on the hill, that's fine. I can, I can give that to John, but that's not your thing to worry about. What's that to you? In other words, listen, their purpose is not your problem. Listen, that's going to free you up. Once you realize that somebody else's purpose is not your problem, we do this all the time. We compare other people's lives to ours, don't we? I mean, we do this a lot. We compare somebody else's life and then we get frustrated because we don't get what they get. You see somebody like on Facebook that's on vacation and you're like, oh, wish I had time to go on vacation, right? I mean, you see somebody out to dinner and you're like, oh, wish I had some money to go out to, to dinner once in a while, you know? And I mean, I don't know, like, do you compare your life to other people? Or maybe you see somebody else and they're in church today just sitting and you're serving and you're like, oh, wish I could just sit today. And so because of it, you've made their purpose your problem and your motivation is now distorted. You're unable to serve the way God has called you to serve because you're too busy looking at someone else. This is what we see in the life of Martha. And and I I even like the language here. You just sense that Martha and Jesus are good friends because she's like, Lord, I mean, you just almost hear the frustration. Lord, could you just tell her to get in the kitchen? I mean, don't you even care? I don't know, some of us maybe connect with Martha. I connect with her personality a little bit. This is the same woman that when her brother Lazarus dies, Jesus shows up too late, according to her, to save him. And she goes, Jesus, if you would have been here sooner, my brother wouldn't be dead. So, so this woman, she speaks her mind, right? She speaks her mind, which, praise God, for people who at least speak their minds, right? Because there's nothing worse than somebody who's just frustrated and won't say it. And so she's speaking her mind. She's frustrated, And I I was thinking about the different Marys and Marthas in the room and how we can start picking at each other, right? Because we do different things in the family of God or we have different purposes at different times. Like, like I feel like the, the, the Marys look at the Marthas in the room and they call them legalists. They're like, why are you doing all that stuff, Martha? Like, Jesus saved us by grace, Martha. You know, like, you can't earn anything in God's eyes, Martha. So, like, relax, sit down, you know? Take a load off, legalist, right? And then there's, the, then there's the, the Marthas in the room that are looking at the Marys, and they're like, you're not a legalist, you are lazy, right? Get up, 
Get to work. Get a job, right? I mean, there's so much to be done. There's so much work to be done. Like, somebody's got to pay the bills around here. See, neither are right. Neither are right. They're just picking at each other for doing different things. And, but in this moment, the one with the bad heart is, is, is Martha. Martha's got, uh, she's got some frustration. And, and Jesus is clear about that. She needs, to, she needs to work through her frustration. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. He uses her name twice as if to just kind of calm her down. Like, Martha, Martha. He had to say that to maybe, maybe your spouse or a friend. Like, hey, relax. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. I want you to write this down if you've got a pen. Our many things will keep us from God's one thing. Our many things will keep us from God's one thing. Martha, you are anxious. You are troubled. You have too much going on in your life. Your, your motivation is it's not quite right, and so because of that, you're frustrated with other people. Maybe you're even frustrated with yourself that you just can't get it all done and your life is full of anxiety and trouble and frustration. Martha, you're troubled about a lot of things, but one thing is necessary. In this moment, the thing that was necessary was just to be at the feet of Jesus. Some of you just need to stop. You need to learn how to say no. You need to learn how to take a vacation once in a while and, and sit down and actually relax. You're many things will keep you from God's one thing. Maybe it's just, like I said, the phone. I mean, how you doing? You doing okay? You're like, yeah, because it's been on the whole time. But others of you are stressing out right now because you actually tried this out and you're like, I don't know. Uh, maybe, maybe there's something going on in Brazil right now that I don't know about and I don't get the, the Fox News update. In fact, this is funny. I was just talking to my dad. And, and he's like, son, I can't watch Fox News anymore, which some of you just need to stop watching Fox News. I'll be honest with you. He's like, I can't watch it anymore because I just turned into an angry man. And I, I just saw a lot of wisdom in my dad in that because, yeah, it's frustrating. You want to see my dad scream. It's when he's watching Fox News. And uh, when we realize that this world is feeding us anxiety, you, you know that, right? You know they're making a lot of money to, to feed you anxiety and frustration and paranoia. Oh, and then here's a Geico commercial, right? I mean, once you realize, like, that's the whole purpose of this, is people are making money off of your anxiety and your frustration, you learn to turn your phone off once in a while. You learn not to maybe read that article that you don't need to read right now. Maybe you don't need to go to that website to find out everything that's going on. Yeah, this happened to me the other day. I was watching a football game. I was just sitting there, minding my own business, and I get a text there was kind of a frustrating text from somebody and I just like, I didn't know what to do with it and so I wasn't present for the rest of that time. I, I wasn't even there because my head was somewhere else. Some of you, you see something pop up and you're like 12 dead on the other side of the world and, and yes, I am all about being aware and God knows this is a broken world and that we need, as, especially as God's people, to look the, the brokenness in the eye. Absolutely. But sometimes we all have, have a different limit there, there comes a point where all of that input starts to crush us. It starts to take away our joy and our ability to be fully present in the moment. And so some of us just need to step away from the many things so that we can be part of God's one thing. And I've learned this by saying yes to many things. We're saying no to the things that God wants us to be a part of. And I, I love that Jesus speaks directly to this, this feeling that we have in our lives in Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do you hear that? Like, that's not a suggestion. 
That's a command from God. Do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour of span to his life? This is Jesus' way of saying, you are not God. And anxiety comes from that feeling that you have to be. That feeling that you're going to take care of it. That feeling like, okay, if this dinner is not quite right, like the world will collapse. My family will implode if the stuffing is not there. Like it's going to fall apart. So it's got to be perfect. You know, it's this feeling that there's, this is all weighing on you. I mean, it's really, we don't have time to get into it. This is the rhythm of the Sabbath. This is why we take a day of rest so that we can just not work for a day and trust God with that day. That for 24 hours we say, listen, I'm not going to control it. God's got to do some stuff or this is going to fall apart. I'm just going to trust him with it. That's why we're meant to do this. And Jesus says, don't be anxious. Your anxiety is a faith problem. It's, a faith, it's not neutral. It's a faith problem. It's forgetting that we are not God and that he will take care of the things that you are not supposed to do or that you can't do. So back to Mary and Martha, verse 42. Jesus says, but one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So if you want to write this last thing down, diversions can lead to our demise, but focus can help us to be fully present. Once again, these diversions aren't neutral. The many things are not neutral. The things that you choose to give yourself to, are you choosing not to give yourself to those other things? Maybe the one thing that God wants you to be a part of, and you're missing out and you're frustrated, and you're overwhelmed with your life. Diversions can lead to our demise. I'm convinced it's even a spiritual issue, that there is, there is a, a demonic issue here, that, that Satan himself, the devil himself, uses diversionary tactics to keep us away from our destinies. He will distract us from the things God wants us to do by, by giving us all of these other seemingly good things so that we'll miss the one thing that he wants out of our lives. So we need to be careful of that. I'd say on the other side of things, if you're a Mary in this room, if you're the person that loves to sit at the feet of Jesus, I want, you to, t- I want to tell you, like, it's okay to, to, to get up. It's okay to get in gear. I, I feel like there's been this, this shift in the church, and some of you grew up in churches like this that were all about what you do for God. Like if you put a couple bucks in the plate and you go serve at something, then, then maybe you're on the in crowd. Maybe God will love you. And so because of that, we've shifted the other direction. We've said, no, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you live. Just, you know, Jesus is grace, and so don't worry about it. But you can't read the the words of Jesus without seeing that what you do does matter. And your decision to, to have a changed life after receiving the grace of Jesus does matter. That if you actually receive Jesus and your life doesn't change, The way that you live doesn't change. Your family doesn't change. Your money doesn't change. If it doesn't change, then you have received a distorted gospel because the true gospel results in life change. It will lead you to serve, maybe too much once in a while. It will lead you to give, maybe too much once in a while. It will lead you to be gracious, maybe to the point where you need to pull back and go, I got to draw some boundaries once in a while. So what you do does matter, but it comes from this receiving of the grace that Jesus has given us it changes our life. 
These diversions, they can lead to our demise. They can lead to our demise. But the focus that Jesus will give us when we ask him, what am I supposed to actually be doing will help us to be fully present. You see, Jesus wasn't what everybody expected. He didn't meet their expectations. In fact, he disappointed a lot of people. Like, that's not the Messiah that I expected. And so because they expected something else, because they had their agendas, Jesus wasn't what they expected, they missed him. And I just want to tell you today, church may not be what you expect it to be, and and because of that, you're going to miss God. God may not do what you expect him to do, and because of that, you you may kind of hold him at a distance. There may be people in your life who aren't what you expected, and so because of that, you aren't going to have that relationship. Listen, single people, your future spouse may not look like what you expect, and you may miss them because God has given you somebody right in front of you that you're missing because he or she is not what you expected. And these, these expectations can be a real problem for us. And so here's the thing. Let me wrap this up. The problem isn't having expectation. The problem isn't our expectation. The problem is our agendas. What if we could expect great things out of life? What if we could expect great things from the people around us and leave our agendas at the door? What if we just said, you know what? I am going to expect that God is working in the world around me. I'm going to perceive it, that he wants to run rivers through the deserts of this world, that he wants to redeem broken things all around me. I'm going to, I'm going to perceive it. I'm going to believe that. And then however God chooses to do that, that's up to him. That's up to him. I'm just going to receive these words that were spoken to Martha today, just for me. I'm going to choose my one thing. I'm going to do what I'm called to do and let the anxiety and the fear and the paranoia slip away because I am not God. So what if you just received Jesus for who he was and who he is? What if you came into church today and received it for what it is? It may be everything you dreamed or it may not be anything like what you hoped it would be today. But if you're able to leave your agenda at the door, you can be fully present here and hear from God. There's this beautiful prayer in Psalm 139, I, I just this is my prayer for us today. It says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Maybe you just need to take that verse and write it on your mirror in a Sharpie marker at home. I mean, this is just a prayer, and it's a dangerous prayer. God, would you show me if the way I'm seeing things is screwed up? Would you show me maybe if I've, I've leaned into too many things in my life that I need to pull back from? Like, I just want to warn you, if God speaks to you, it may not be what you want to hear. God, search me, know my heart, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's anything offensive in me and lead me into better things. So a few questions for you today, just as you reflect. I just want you to consider these questions. First, what is your greatest source of anxiety? What is it in your life that's bringing anxiety? remember, anxiety is a faith issue. So bring Jesus into that place. Bring the one who who, who gives breath in your lungs, who feeds the birds of the air, as we read, who who cares for all things in this world. Bring that, that one into that area of your life. Next question would be, is what I'm saying yes to helping me to love God and love others better? Like if you're not becoming somebody who loves God and loves better, that loves others better through what you choose to do, maybe you need to reassess those things. Here's a tough question. Is there any way that my frustration is my fault? 
Could it be that it's not the people in your life that are frustrating? Could it be you? Could it be your expectations and agendas that you're placing on other people that were never meant to be there? That you're wanting them to be something that God doesn't necessarily ask them to be. And so because of that, you're frustrated. And the last question is is, is this, what's my one thing this Christmas? What is the one thing God wants me to be a part of? And I want you to just, what is the vision for December? Start small, that you can be a part of. And I'll tell you, for, for us as a church, if you don't know what to put in that blank, simply this, we want people to hear the gospel this Christmas. That's, we're doing five Christmas Eve services, not just because we want to shove a bunch of people into a building, but because we want as many people in the city as possible to hear about the grace of Jesus. That's our vision. And so for you, you can be a part of that. You can, you can just show up or you can help make it happen. You can show up or you can bring your, your neighbors and your friends. You can make sure that in, in conversations at work and at school that you are bringing Jesus into the conversation, that they're hearing that this season is about something much greater than maybe what they've ever thought before. You can be part of a, a bigger picture and a bigger vision. In fact, you have a chance to do that here this morning. We're doing something called Dollar for Change. And uh, we told you about it last week. We've asked everybody to bring a $1 bill, uh, something that most people can afford. And we we do this a few times a year. We all put these in these little boxes, just a dollar bill. And we put all that money together. When everybody participates in a small way, we can do big things. And so we've got a a huge blessing that we're going to be a part of um, this Christmas season. We're going to share a a video with you on Christmas Eve. We're really excited about it. So we're already moving forward with it. Um, So hopefully you come through. Um, But we're already like moving forward with this. But today's the day during worship. Um, Encourage you to be a part of that. But we want to be a blessing to the world. That's what God has called us to do. We don't want to miss our one thing for the many things. We as a church, uh, we say no to things all the time. But we know we are to be a blessing to the community around us. And so that's exactly what we'll be. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you're here and present with us. That even when we don't notice you, you are there. Even when we're not grateful, you bless us and you give us so much. You pour out your grace on us. God, even when we don't receive it or, or, or realize it, God, we know that everything that we have is held in your hands. God, we know our anxiety can't add another day to our lives. And that our frustration doesn't make the relationship better. It doesn't make us better. So Father, would you convict us of our one thing this Christmas season? Who are we supposed to be? What is it that you're calling us to do? Can we be people who just choose obedience, that we would follow you and do what's right even when we don't feel it? But God, can we also say no when we need to say no and trust that we are not God. We are not the ones to control other people or to control our situations. And so we can just rest at your feet. We can hear your voice and know that you love us. And God, know that just being with us is enough. So Father, I pray that for our church this season. God, I pray for a huge kingdom impact as we come into this Christmas season. God, we know we live in a city full of darkness a world that desperately needs to know about you. God, may we be the kind of people who present that to the world through the way that we live, the way that we speak, and the way that we love. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.